Hey guys, before I get started with this episode, I wanted to encourage all of you to go leave a review on iTunes, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And, uh, you know, that helps us get in front of a larger audience and it helps us get some constructive feedback on the podcast. So please go leave us a review. We would love a five-star review, but we will take whatever review we can get. All right, here we go with the episode. Ag State of Mind, episode 66. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Hello, greetings. Welcome to the Ag State of Mind podcast, a proud member of the Global Ag Network. I am your host, Jason Meadows, and today is our final episode of 2020. So I appreciate you all hanging with me this year, as crummy as a year as it has been. Um, I appreciate all who have listened and have shared and followed the podcast. It's been a privilege to bring it to you. Today, we speak to Isabella Schrader. Isabella is a student at Iowa State University. She is in the vet program there. Uh, We talk a little bit about her experience at school during COVID and she tells a little bit, provides a little bit of insight on what it's like going through college at, during COVID. And um, for me, we talk about like how how difficult and how the college experience has been, uh, I don't want to say ruined, but definitely altered for her. Um, we chat a little bit about what her school's doing and the emphasis on uh, mental health around the the vet program and college in general. And uh, we had a really good conversation. This was recorded back in October, but uh, we wanted to, we wanted to feature men's health month in November and, you know, had some other podcasts lined up. Uh, So it was a, it just worked out where this is going to be the last episode of 2020. So uh, I appreciate Isabella and her patience with me for getting this out and uh, look forward to you all hearing from it. So, all right, here is my interview with Isabella Schrader, vet student at Iowa State University. All right, Isabella Schrader, how are you doing this evening? Welcome to the Ag State of Mind podcast. I'm doing pretty well, besides the gloomy day we had today in the snow, which could have done without, but I'm still here hanging out. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. No, it's a little early for that, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I guess you just kind of roll with the punches, right? Yeah, don't really get a choice. Mother Nature will <laughs> So what we're what I want to tell you, you actually reached out to me and you wanted to be a part of this conversation. And I'm very grateful for that. Uh, So many people have done that along the way. And I I sure appreciate when people do that. Um, And you have a unique perspective as someone who is in in the middle of their educational career, I guess, uh, be in the middle of, in the middle of college, in the middle of vet school. And how it's, it's, you, I feel like it's uniquely affecting college students, high school students, just a whole, just this, that whole, just this whole generation, I feel like is, it's really having a, a tremendous effect on. So, um, but before we get into that, I want to give everyone a background of who you are, where you came from and what led you to where you are today. Yeah, so I was born in Rapid City, South Dakota, lived there until I was about four, moved out to San Diego, California, and then moved to Iowa in fifth grade, so however old you are then, 10, and 
during college, I was lucky enough to be able to go to Iowa State for my undergrad degree, but I did a semester at Oklahoma State, and then I went to grad school at South Dakota State, and now I'm at vet school at Iowa State. So you're just hitting up all the land-grant universities, sounds like. <laughs> Trying. I knew my degree's in animal science, and so I knew as far as pursuing that, and I wanted to be in agriculture, specifically cattle. I wanted to go to the schools that were known for that. So Oklahoma State was a good choice and so was South Dakota State. Sure, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. So did you, when you were growing up, did you have, you know, did you have aspirations of becoming becoming a vet? Because I think a lot of people, I think that's uh, that's one of those professions that I think people start off with like they want to be that forever i don't think anybody just like happens or not a lot of people anyway just happens into vet school yeah so growing up i always wanted to be a vet i remember like kindergarten career day my mom put a white coat on me and a name tag that said dr isabella and it under it it said vet because people always thought doctor which vets are doctors sure (laughs) but i it was always important to me to clarify, no, I want to be an animal doctor. And of course, back then I wanted to do, you know, cats and dogs, like every little girl probably wants to do at some point. And then when I got into college, actually the end of high school, I was in FFA and I got involved in working with cattle and I just really, really liked it. And as an undergrad, I worked at the Iowa State dairy farm and just completely fell in love. I did calf chores, did third person milking, which they used to milk three times a day. So I would work from about 7 p.m. to about 3 a.m., sleep for two hours, get up and go do calf chores at seven. Even that crazy schedule, I just, I loved working with cattle. And so I decided to pursue that. And now as a hopefully bet one day, I want to do mostly cattle, so, or large animal, I suppose. Yeah, you know, that's funny, and I I, th- I don't know if I've mentioned that on the podcast or not, that that was always my plan was to go to vet school. You know, I was, that was what I was going to do until I believe I was a junior in high school, and um, we had to do a cesarean on a cow in the middle of winter when it was snowing and about 15 degrees outside, and you know, I think it was at that time that the vet said that our vet, who's still our vet today, Dr. Swope here uh, locally, and he said something to me today, that day, like what he wouldn't give to be in a warm office on that day. And he said it as kind of tongue in cheek and kind of as a joke, but I took it literally. And, you know, it's because it, it, it is, it's an absolutely grueling career. It's the, the conditions are obviously not always ideal. The everything is, it can't, it can be extremely hard work, terrible hours. So, I mean, it absolutely has to be something that you love. For sure. Yeah. The, I worked for a vet when I was in college as well, down in Southern Iowa, and he was a one man show. It was just him and the receptionist that doubled as a vet tech assistant she did everything else that he didn't do and he said during calving season he didn't even bother going home he just pulled his camper to the office and stayed there he's like and when they call you it's because they've tried everything that they can do and so it's 
dire at that point. And so you better be up and ready to go. And I, on the dairy, I kind of got a taste of that. Not nothing too crazy, but yeah, it, you definitely don't go into it because you kind of think you want to. It's, no, this is what I want to do and I know it and I've done it before because it could be a real rude awakening. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I'm always, and I shouldn't be because there are people that come outside of agriculture and, and come to be vets and doing a wonderful job. But, um, I, I'm always amazed at the, the number of vet students who have never been around farm animals before. And, uh, and I'm happy for that because there's the more, the more people that are involved in the life and that are exposed to it, I feel like the better. I just, it's, it's always, I don't know. I'm not, not shocked by it, but I am a little, uh, I guess maybe, um, taken by surprise when I find out when I see a vet student and they're working with a vet and they aren't really acclimated to it yet. And I, I, it's always, I always kind of, always kind of laugh because it, 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 it sure, it never, it doesn't leave anything to the imagination of what it's really about. I mean, there's no like, you know, halfway in it. Right. And I was actually kind of surprised by that as well in vet school. Like last year, I'm in my second year. Last year we took, basically a small animal handling course. And I asked and you know, do we ever take a large animal handling course? And the answer was no. So it, it kind of makes it hard for people that they don't know if they have an interest in the animal ag industry or not, because they're not around it. And even school doesn't really teach it that much. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, you make some really, that's, th those are all really great points. And it's really something like if someone is thinking about vet school that, you know, it's, you may not know it before going in, but you sure know it right away. So let's, let's do, let's talk about vet school and in, in particularly this year. Now, back, I think it was episode 10, which was very early on in the podcast. We had Cody Curlman on the podcast and he actually mentioned this to me as the, the, the mental health of veterinarians and vet students is something that is kind of suffering right now. And so I want to know what, what vet school, I mean, last year was a different year. This year is even more different. I mean, it's just, it's like you've had three different types of school. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with a girl who's in an animal side major at Mizzou. And I mean, it's hard enough as it is vet school that is. And what does, what did, what kind of wrinkles did COVID throw into that? Because it's, vet school is not something that you can take over a computer. Yeah. So like you said, vet school is not one of those you can do online. Like there's bits and pieces. Sure. You can, you know, watch lectures online. Personally, I'm not good at it because I get distracted, but for this year, First off, we were lucky to be able to even go back because I know number of COVID cases per population in the country, which not surprising when you put a bunch of college age kids together. So we were able to go back and luckily they had been planning since COVID had first started. And uh, they broke us up into what they called professional learning communities. 
And so it was a group of like 20 to 30 kids per group. And then that's the group you stick with. And they didn't want us talking with or being around people outside of that group for contact tracing reasons. But you stay with this group and you get one hour lab sessions for all the classes that you need lab for. And that's including surgery. That one was a two hour one. Surgery obviously is a perfect example of a class that you can't do online because you're not going to learn it. You need, you need to do the knot tying and the throws, you know, and that, all of that good stuff. Outside of that, obviously we had to wear masks to school. It's just, it's just a lot different. And I knew second year vet school is going to be hard. This was pre COVID, but COVID made it 20 times harder already. And so it'll be interesting to see where we go from here. Hopefully it gets better and we can resume school like normal. But by the state of things right now and states having increasing numbers, I, I don't know how confident I feel about that. So it's been it's been interesting <laughs> to say the very least what what would you say has been the hardest part of it uh, personally i'm a person that needs routine get up at a certain time go to bed mm. at a certain time you know have your day pretty well planned out and know what it's going to look like for me that's been the hardest part because our labs we have one or two labs a day and they're at different times every day and so you're just trying to find the things to fill in the time between it which is different every day and you're trying to keep track of you know six to seven courses that all think that's the only course you're taking and so you got to balance your time wisely i don't i don't do well with that i have to be sitting in a classroom listening to a lecture and not at home in my PJs, you know, watching a lecture via Zoom. Yeah, I think most people are probably like that. And to me, what I have, and I'm trying to imagine this 15 or so years ago when I was in college and whenever I was in professional school and trying to imagine what it would be like I don't think it's the academics that would be what would be hard. It would be the lack of a social atmosphere. And I, w I was not a super social person in college just because I went to school in the city and, um, you know, I came home on the weekends and that sort of thing. But I still, I craved that interaction with my peers. And when that is taken away from you, that takes away so much of the college experience, I feel like, that... I, I, I hope that it's not something that is, is going to have long-lasting effects. And I agree. As a class in vet school, you really start to feel like a family because you spend literally all day and night together. And most, most vet students live in what's called the trailerhood here in Ames. And so they all live right next door to each other. So you become a small fam, well, not very small, but a family. So not seeing those people every day or, you know, being able to say, hey, in the hallways, it definitely takes a toll on you because I know I was missing that too. I didn't think I would. And then we started in on the semester and I was like, wow, I actually miss seeing all these people, you know, all day like we did last year. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you don't, you take so much of it. You take so much. And I think that is across, I think we're feeling that 
everywhere with COVID in that we take so much of our social lives for granted. We take our everyday interaction. We take getting up and going to whatever our office may be and uh, interacting with whatever coworkers we may have. We, we miss that. So uh, it for me, like, and I, I'm going to just apply it to my, my routine hasn't changed a whole lot, but the, at the level at which I interact with people has sure changed. You know, I work in a hospital and I, my big, I think the biggest thing that really makes me know that besides everybody wearing a mask, um, the biggest thing that makes me know that things are so different is when I go to the cafeteria and there's no sit down in the cafeteria and they're not, you know, there's not the salad bars, they've had pre-made salads. And, you know, so, I mean, we took so much of that kind of stuff for granted and it's gone now and you miss it, you miss it. And just like you're saying, so, I mean, I'm just trying to apply it to my life right now. And that's the thing I can see is that's what I'm missing. And you were missing just that just normal social life interaction that you would have. And it's like the in-between class kind of, you know, when, whether you're sitting in the student lounge or out in the park or wherever, like that's gotta be so incredibly frustrating and tough to not have. Yeah. Because I mean, you get close with these people because you're all me else and being able to go to somebody and say, wow, you know, this really sucks right now. Like, you know, they expect us to know all this and having them actually understand that. Because, I mean, you can say, oh, yeah, you know, vet school's really rough right now to somebody not in vet school. And they'll be like, you know, just bear down and get through it. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. So having those people that do understand what you're going through and probably feel the exact same way is obviously really nice until something like COVID takes it away. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I want to, what I kind of, we talked about this before we started and, you know, the stresses that you're going through and, and, and also if you're comfortable talking about it, if, if there's actually been anyone, any kind of resources that you have found handy through all this. Yeah. So I'm not, I can't speak for other vet schools, but here at Iowa Sure, State, sure. Yeah. We're um, talking about you. Okay. Yeah. We have, we have a, it's called an OASA office and it's basically student affairs. And we have a counselor that's in our building because we're away from main campus in our building, I think three days a week, obviously counseling around Ames and Des Moines, but they do a pretty good job at like having those resources because mental health in vet med is really struggling, you know, it, the amount of vets that have committed suicide is, I mean, there shouldn't be one, but it happens and people know that. And so our school is emphasizing the mental health thing, but they also do other things. We have fitness classes at night. We have a program that does like, well, pre-COVID did more of it, but like flag football between the different classes or disc golf tournament, you know, anything like that. And those are also helpful because it's professors that you have also engaging in those activities. And so it, I think it helps a lot more than just the students. So it, 
I'm I'm just I'm gonna kind of back up here just a little bit. Um, and yeah. you you mentioned something, and again we talked uh, we we we've talked about it previously about the the suicides among vets, and that's something I was not totally aware of, but I definitely am now. And so how how are they addressing that within vet school? So they emphasize mental health a lot. I mean one of our first classes was kind of like an orientation and you know they said here's all our mental health resources that iowa state offers and you can go to them and they can help you if you need something different than what iowa state offers but we also have again pre-covid had what we called lunch and learns and so you'd get lunch and we'd have a guest speaker and they could be anything really any sort of vet you know we had one specializing in reptiles or small animals horses you know anything you can think of has probably been spoken about but one that sticks out in my mind we had a vet cannot remember where she was from but she did a lecture on compassion fatigue and that was a term that's a new term to me i had never heard of that although once it was explained i'm like okay so i i have felt that before and they think that's Mm -hmm. what like leads to a lot of the suicides you know you can't save them all which is a hard reality to accept because you're not doing this to put down animals you know a lot of a lot of people want to bash vet med because you know all you do is put down animals or do this do that that's not the point that's not what we want to do it hurts you know it may not be our dog but it hurts a lot still. Well, you're taking a life. I mean, that's no, I mean, part of what you do, I mean, that's, that's no small thing. You know, that's not, right. Yeah. A hundred percent. I, I totally understand that. Do it day in and day out. Yeah. You know, and it starts. Oh, I couldn't imagine. Start. Yeah. It's, it's not easy. <laughs> so is there in, we we're, we're kind of like this this isn't something i really intended to talk about but i'm glad we are because i feel like it's very important because in agriculture obviously especially in livestock vets are essential i mean where would we be without vets we i mean they're i mean it's the same place humans would be without doctors i mean it's that important right so right um like among currently practicing vets and you know, I, 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 you may not have as broad a perspective on this yet or not, but is this something they are, you know, the associations are talking about? And is there any dialogue among practicing vets? Because I know, I know vets are a traditionally kind of private, kind of uh, very tough industry very tough profession because they have to be much like a farmer so i'm just wondering is what is what is that looking like for them Um, from what i've read and like what i've heard from our professors and i know the iowa vet uh association here has at least talked about it it's being talked about i just not quite sure on how it's it's definitely being taught action or if they're trying to figure out, you know, how can we fix this or how can we at least help? That part I'm not so sure on. 
Okay. No, I'm just, I'm just curious because the, and these are just questions that are coming to me as we're, as we're thinking, as we're talking here. And because it's a, it's an interesting conversation to have because I don't think it's one that's, that a lot of people are aware of um, because we, we see vets as these, I mean, I know I do. We see these as these stalwarts of the, of the community, people that are, are just, just staples and um you know we don't think about them having these types of problems but when in fact they are as human and like you say they go through some stresses that the rest of us just don't understand and i feel like it's important that there is awareness raised about this yeah and i know i can't remember where i heard it or who talked about it but you know vets they they go through the same amount of schooling as a human doctor for a lot of money. Vet school's not cheap by any means. And then when you come out, chances are more likely than not, you're not making what a human doctor makes. You go through, you know, hell and high water for four years to come out making, I think they said average of last year's class was like $75,000. And so, I mean, that adds to it. You get yelled at by people all day, try, you know, help my dog, help this, help that, you know, it just, it's all those little things that just amount to a lot. And, you know, one bad day can really put you over the edge. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Yeah, you you bring up all these all these things that we we just don't even think about when it comes to vets. And I think it's, uh, I think it's important for people to realize, especially within agriculture, that you know, they're stressed too. And I think sometimes vets, we see vets as someone that just takes a lot of our money sometimes, yeah. <laughs> you know, not obviously it's, it's, it, it, it's more than that, obviously, but when we're frustrated and um, ourselves and then we get a big vet bill from something, you know, I mean, it adds to oh, our yeah. stress, but at the same time, yeah. it's on the other side of it too. And I think it's important for people to realize that, you know, they're going, they have all these same problems too. I mean, just, just because it's somebody else's animals that they're taking care of doesn't mean they don't experience the same sort of stress because they absolutely do because they're human. We all experience stress in some form or another. It may look different from me to you, um, but it, but it still is very, it's still very real. Yeah, exactly. And I, like you said, I think a lot of people just kind of forget that, that, you know, vets are humans too, and they take loss, maybe not in the exact same way, but I mean, it's still causes pain and i think just a lot of people forget that yeah they 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 do and i you know i'm 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 hoping that it it with all the talk of mental health and agriculture you know the work we're trying to do the work so many people are trying to do that it that it helps open a door to do the same for vet med because that's that's super important to to get them on the same boat same track as we're at yeah and i know like within agriculture like you were talking about vets being a certain type of person farmers and producers are that same type of person mm -hmm. you know and my dad he was raised on a farm and you know no crying suck it up rub some dirt on it you know not okay it's okay if you cry or it's okay if you need to go you know get on meds for mental health or, you know, whatever the case might be. Well, I mean, the thing about it, it's a part of being a vet is having a certain level of tolerance and a certain level of, 
being able to take some adversity and you know you can you can be in the middle of a wreck and you've got four more calls to go through where everybody's having cabin trouble and to do your job effectively you have to you have to be on you have to be and i think and i think this is really a, a best case for anything as to be proactive instead of reactive when it comes to your mental health, do the things when you know you can, so you don't get caught in a crisis and that's different for everyone. And that has to be individualized, but nonetheless, we all need to be very mindful of what it takes to be at optimum mental health. Yeah. And that's a big part of it. You know, the tolerance thing, I've heard vets say, you know, oh, I had to put a dog down in room one and then go into room two because, you know, somebody brought in a new puppy and act like I didn't just put a dog down, you know, right before you walk in. You have to be able to kind of separate yourself from it and leave it at the door before you move on. Yeah, sure. Well, I want to, I want to be, I'm going to wrap up here because I want to be respectful of your time and I, I just want to I want to I want to tell you how much I appreciate you reaching out to me again and and getting to chat about these things. Um, all the stuff we're talking about here tonight, the mental health of vets, the mental health of students, the mental health of vet students uh, all in one there is super important. It, it, it's essential for people to know the stresses that people are going through. So they may be more willing to reach out when someone else is when someone's struggling. Right. Yeah. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you, talk to you on uh, online or whatever, how, how do they do that? Where, what's your, what, I know you're on Twitter. Yep. I'm on Twitter, VetMedMist on Twitter. And that's probably the, the easiest and best way. Cause I'll actually look at it and see it. I'm not the best at checking emails. Yeah, I don't <laughs> like it either. <laughs> <laughs> It causes me great anxiety to check email. So Twitter's probably your best bet and I'll actually see it. <laughs> cool. cool. Well, very cool. Well, Isabella, I really appreciate you coming on here tonight and talking. Um, it was really, yeah. we, we talked about some things that I wasn't expecting to talk about. And I always like when that happens because it gives me kind of a fresh perspective and it, it takes it down paths I wasn't expecting to go. And that's always fun for me. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, cool. Well, uh, have a great night and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.